0: Hello and welcome to CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. You can find me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. And I'm joined, as always, by Xavier Trish. You can find him on Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. And Nicholas Ian Allen, you can find him on the Twitter, of course, at CFB Winning Edge. Fellas, how was your uh, week 11?
1: Uh, week 11 wasn't bad. It, uh, I mean, that, that's putting it mildly. I mean, this was the <laughs> probably the the week we've all been looking forward to. Uh, for several weeks, if not the whole season, and it really lived up to expectations. I mean, Alice, uh, LSU able to knock off Alabama, go into Tuscaloosa, pick up a huge win uh, in what's been the you know the most anticipated game uh, of the year, and for it to live up to that hype was was really uh, exciting. But also, we were treated to uh, a, a top ten undefeated matchup that we didn't expect in. Penn State and Minnesota, and and, uh, that exceeded expectations. Minnesota able to to pick up the uh, upset win there. So all told, I mean, it it was a very exciting week. It was uh, a pretty short slate with a lot of bye weeks, so we were really able to concentrate on those marquee matchups, and uh, it was exciting. Lived up to my expectations, probably exceeded, I should say, my expectations. So a lot of fun last week.
0: Xavier, just a great game between LSU and Bama, right? It was awesome.
2: Ew, that game <laughs> <laughs> was a tale of two halves. But, I mean, that week for me was really fun. Uh, I lost a fraud. One fraud got exposed, and another one almost got exposed this week. So, um, But they're just hanging in the balance, and I'm waiting for them to lose as well, and we'll get to that in just a second. But, yeah, this was a really good week. I, I enjoyed this week of college football.
0: I mean, even in the games that weren't on national, uh, you know, on the national platform, I mean, Oklahoma always is, but they – they held off Iowa State at the end. Yeah. Uh, Boise State and Wyoming went down to the wire. I mean, there were some really decent games. You know, Georgia beat the crap out of Missouri. Uh, Wisconsin and Iowa was close. So it was just, like uh, Nick said, an overall fun week. Now, how did the numbers look, Nick? Because uh, I feel like we did pretty well this week.
1: <laughs> so the games that we talked about on the pod, uh, did pretty well. We, we went three and one, uh, the numbers compared to, uh, those lines against the spread. Uh, but the one we missed was, was a big one. I mean, I, I was, uh, really high on Alabama, um, made a, uh, you know, pretty bold statement that uh, thought Alabama was was going to win and, and uh, buy two touchdowns. And obviously that did not happen. So uh, the one we missed was was a big one, but the others played out uh, pretty much according to uh, the way we thought they might. Uh, we didn't, I, you know, the numbers did not call for the outright upset for Minnesota, but um you know the but uh, the did have the govers to to cover so that was good uh, for the the entire week uh, if we if we ignore uh, the Owen seven start uh, for <laughs> games that kicked off between Tuesday and Friday which was just, brutal to to only have you know one or two games those to games are hard on. to pick
0: anyway i mean you got yeah, going on very little rest and then the injury reports are even worse on short rest i mean they're tough to pick those those uh weekday games
1: it, it can be and it, it, it's a different uh so I, I haven't really talked much about this on the pod but but one thing i do and, and it's something that our tier three exit or our tier three patrons have access to i i have a database that one shows uh, all of my power ratings, just I have the the, sort of the dials uh, turned with different weights on different things just to sort of see, you know, uh, are we putting too much stock into roster strength? Are we putting too much on coaching? You know, what are some improvements we can make moving forward? And as part of that document, I also uh, make note of all the – Aspects related to each game in regards to travel, so the distance each team travels, uh, the, the temperature during the game, the weather, uh, things like that. So I, I try to go really in-depth, and I, I haven't really done much with it uh, as far as diving into those aspects uh, for this season, but my my hope is to to be able to do that during the off season, and, and I did it last year as well so starting to just sort of build that database so that I can take a closer look at some of these outside factors that do I think you know my 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 initial gut reaction is that um things in these midweek games those factors seem to play a bit bigger role uh like you said shortened weeks or or just sort of playing at an odd time uh you know playing on a tuesday night in 30 degree weather with (laughs) snow in the forecast is is you know that that's a lot no way to live (laughs) right and and it's no it's factors that the computer is going to miss so you know I, i in or just sort of in the basic you know this team based on these players, the you know, this past performance, that sort of thing. Uh, that you know it's it's another level, another layer uh, of things that a lot of analytics based systems will miss and and so I keep track of those things one, to see if there is any aspect of that that I can apply in the future. like if we just happen to find out, like, oh, well, in these midweek mac games, the home team has a you know a huge edge in, in whatever situation, you know, I don't necessarily expect to find that, but uh, I, I'm curious because those outside factors do play a big role in these type of games. And obviously, I mean, you know, uh, we're not catching something because last week 0-7 was just uh, brutal. It was a big hole to climb out of, but um, taking that away, the, the rest of the week was fine. I mean, the, the uh, games in which we had the wrong teams favored, uh, those went 4-4. Four and four which obviously we would prefer better, but it was definitely felt exposed that there were eight of those games last week. That's about double what we normally have. And it is double what we have this week. We've got four in that situation, but uh, you know, that that's sort of the the key uh, area I'm most interested in. And and that's the one that has uh, covered 56.9% against the spread for the season and and 64.4% uh, since week five, when we made some adjustments to uh, add team performance ratings uh, a, a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, I mean, you know, the, the numbers were fine, seven and five in games between uh, top 25 teams and a power five opponent. Uh two and one in the games between two ranked teams. So uh, even though it, it was a week that for the entire slate finished under 500, those key games, those biggest games that we think we do have our, our best edge, those numbers were fine to fine to good. I would say.
0: All right. I mean, I, I, I find it crazy that we're almost the, the, regular season is almost done and we're still getting the wrong team favored in a bunch of games. So uh, it's kind of nuts to me that that's how it happens, but that's just how it always happens. So uh, taking a look back at week 11, uh, I mean, these were just some great games and the Baylor and uh, TCU game. And I heard the solid verbal talking about this, uh, that Baylor is going to get an RLO game coming up here or LRO game, which means luck ran out. And um it seems that way because they're eight no, and they should absolutely be proud of what they've done. And Matt rule is hanging all of his fan letters from Nick up on the wall. so uh, <laughs> but it took him three overtimes to beat TCU, who came into this game with uh, quarterback issues. but it was almost the exact score that you picked. It was 29 to 23. We had it 28 24. In Baylor's favor. So it's kind of nuts that it went to three overtimes and was still almost right there.
1: Well, I mean, fortunately, our numbers know when a team is going to go of to you know, a game's going to go to triple overtime. So that was uh, <laughs> that's definitely something that we did. Oh, uh, but right. No, I mean this this game really didn't play out as as the numbers expected. I mean, uh, nine to nine, nobody got into the end zone in regulation. Uh, it was a bit sloppy. It was difficult for either team to get going on on one hand, but on the other hand, these are the top two defenses. In the Big Twelve, so uh, you know, is it bad offense or good defense? Probably somewhere in the middle. But uh, Baylor was very fortunate to win this game. I mean, they had to kick a fifty-one-yard field goal, something like that, at the end of regulation to yeah. tie it, force overtime. Uh, they were uh, pretty fortunate in overtime, and and uh, you know, fortunately, uh, not only for Baylor but also my. Uh, most important fantasy team. Denzel Mims had a big, uh, big game in overtime, had two touchdown catches, and, and uh, you know Baylor was able to, to really come alive there. But uh, yeah, they were very fortunate to win this game. Uh, it's obviously not the first close game that they've played, and, and I think you know we don't we don't really spend much time talking about the, the playoff rankings, but it seems that these close calls factored in with uh, the week uh non-conference schedule has been a big reason why baylor is is very much on the outside looking in and in the playoff picture but you know a win's a win if you keep winning Uh, i have a a a strong feeling that if we were to get through the big 12 championship game and baylor still had a zero in the loss column uh it will be very difficult to keep them out so um you know you, you take the win over a rival on the road any way you can get it and uh baylor got it
0: yeah i mean uh xavier do you get to watch any of this game
2: I did. Um, for this game, it was really weird. You, you really felt that whoever scored a touchdown in this game was absolutely going to win it. Um, as we both know, no, neither one of them scored a touchdown in regulation. <laughs> um, but neither team looked great. Uh, I mean, there were, there were times where... And it, a fun fact that I did learn was that TCU, coming into this game, has completely dominated Baylor in the turnover uh, margin. Uh, it was like twenty-four to two in their last like four meetings, um, and that's the way that the game started off. Uh, TCU looked to be the better team. Uh, they picked off Baylor early. Uh, they honestly, I thought they were going to run away with it at some point. They just could never punch it in, and they and any time they got into the red zone, they would pick up a penalty. They'd get sacked, and you really saw that they didn't really take their chances for Baylor. They were able to make big plays down the stretch. Um, obviously. Oh, Obviously hit the 51-yard field goal to tie it up. Um, Baylor survives. Um, you can't be mad at a team that survives. Every team has a game like this. They've had two back-to-back. You're almost waiting for their luck to run out. But as of right now, they're they they they're, they're continuing to win. Um, and you can't be mad at a team that continues to win, no matter how they get it done.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can be pretty mad at teams that continue to win. <laughs> but, uh, man. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe that's the point. It makes
2: for a compelling game coming up.
0: <laughs> that's very, very true. Going over to Iowa at Wisconsin here. This one was a nice tight one. 24-22 Wisconsin holds on. How did you see this game going, Nick?
1: Uh, this one played out much more as I expected. I mean, the the Badgers jumped out, uh, well, to a, to a lead before halftime. They actually got a slow start in the in the first quarter, there, but uh, we were able to keep Iowa out of the end zone until the fourth quarter. I mean, it looked like Wisconsin was really going to pull away after three quarters. They were up twenty-one to six, but uh, Iowa was able to to come back and, and make it close and had a chance uh, to tie the game there at, at the end, um, or, or you know there in in the fourth quarter, but uh, were not able to convert on a uh, two point conversion uh with uh, about 3 minutes left there and and Wisconsin was then able to, to run out the clock and and kind of survive you know same same sort of situation you take a win when you can get it for Wisconsin and and they were able to to do just enough able to hold Iowa at bay just long enough to to get out there with a win and and keep their hopes alive in uh in the Big 10 West and and Iowa has a chance to really sort of uh now help Wisconsin Wisconsin's now probably the biggest Iowa fans out there because they've got Minnesota this week so uh Wisconsin you know needs needs a couple of uh Minnesota losses so they'll be rooting for Iowa this week and then they've got the Gophers there at the end of the season but uh for this game in particular I mean Jonathan Taylor had a had a huge game you know to the surprise of absolutely no one uh he was able to to break out 31 carries 250 yards they did keep him out of the end zone but i mean you know he's he's on the short list for uh best player in america so give him the ball as much as you can you only have him for a few more weeks most likely so uh he was able to to do enough and wisconsin was able to uh you know get a get a couple of important touchdown passes and, and did just enough to win uh but uh, a, a big win for the badgers keeps their big 10 hopes alive
0: xavier what do you see in this one
2: uh, yeah unfortunately i was not able to watch this game um from what i did see in the highlights though is wisconsin
0: seemed to pull
2: a penn state which is they they started off really fast they looked like they had the game in hand and they kind of let iowa just they didn't put the dagger in. Uh, they didn't go up by enough points that Iowa couldn't mount a comeback. Um, if I'm Wisconsin, if I'm a Wisconsin fan, that's got to be worrying for me, um, especially going down the stretch here. As we, as obviously, like you said, Nick, they need some help to get uh, get into the Big Ten championship game. And but even if they were to mm-hmm. at this rate, even if they were to at this rate, do you really feel like this team is good enough in all levels, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to compete? with an Ohio state again. Um, And I don't think that they've made that step. I was really looking forward to them to, to, you know, making that next step uh, against an Iowa defense that has been really good all season. Uh, They didn't show me they, they could. um, And I think that that's the thing holding them back right now. Uh, Like you said, Nick, they're, they're going to be Iowa fans for the rest of this year. Uh, Funny enough, Illinois is actually the third team in that division right now. Um, you know, and, and 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 they're both eligible. So shouts out to Levy Smith and the Illini uh for making one of the greatest and weirdest comebacks of all time this weekend. Uh but yeah, uh back to the Wisconsin game. Wisconsin look like they normally ha like they have all season. Uh for the most part, the offense just gets stagnant at times and it's it's really weird. So
0: uh go- <laughs> going over to Penn State and Minnesota, I mean, this was a fun game, and Minnesota just jumped out uh, from the very beginning, and I don't know if the game would have been this close if Minnesota didn't really take their foot off the gas at the end here. So, I mean, it was just a, you know, Rashad Bateman opened it up on, you know, what Nick, you and I talked about this on the ITL podcast, that should have been a pick on that very first throw from Tanner Morgan to uh, Rashad Bateman, but... Uh, no help over the top the corner missed it and he ran it in for a touchdown and it was all gophers after that
1: yeah absolutely I mean you know when when you uh, when you have an opportunity to, to strike um, and and take an early lead in, in a raucous environment an upset bid uh, that you know you're hoping for that big play and Minnesota was probably very fortunate to, to score on a 66 yard Touchdown pass there in, in the first quarter, um, but you know that, that you you look for opportunities like that when you when you're gifted uh, in some ways a chance to make a big play you you capitalize and Minnesota did it and and uh, they uh, really performed well all game. I mean the, you're absolutely right that they uh, kind of slowed down in the second half and and that let Penn State get back in the game. But I mean the passing uh, Performance for for uh, Tanner Morgan was just incredible. I mean, 18 of 20 for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, we haven't seen uh, Penn State look you know allow those sort of numbers all year. And and Minnesota uh, did not run the ball as well as as uh, you know they they normally do, uh, but they were still able to to run for more than 100 yards, which is more than Penn State. Uh, had given up on average so so you know that's something and, and I don't think anybody expected 339 yards through the air and 18 of 20 pass I mean that's that's uh pretty good no matter who you're playing and and to do that against what was or still is one of the best defenses in the country is is very very impressive so uh you know th- this Minnesota team uh we'll talk a little bit more about them later but but they seem real. You know, this, this team looks like it's for real. Uh, they were able to force three turnovers, which, uh, you know, obviously on, on the one hand shows uh, some skill. On the other hand, uh, turnover can be, you know, a, a, a lot of luck involved. But uh, Minnesota was able to force three interceptions, including a huge one there at, at the end in the end zone when Penn State could have uh, led. For the first time all day, so um, big, big win for Minnesota—one of the biggest they've had in decades. Uh, Penn State—you know—I I know Xavier's going to uh, talk about how uh, they proved to be frauds.
2: Uh, <laughs> I would
1: probably uh, not go quite that far. I, you know, Penn State showed me some things on offense. Uh, had a had a really solid day all around, running and throwing, uh, other than those three interceptions. But uh, you know. The, the defense had a, had an off day Minnesota took advantage and uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to, to run the table I'm not even sure they're going to be able to, to do what it takes to win the West but uh, this is a good team you know and they're they're capable of beating a top 10 level uh, program in the right spot and this was the right
2: spot
0: our uh, is it the F word here Xavier for uh, <laughs> the Penn frauds
2: State? were found out it's about <laughs> time.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, roll the boat, PJ Flex for mayor. Like ah, thank you. Um, this game was. I, I'm I'm gonna start off by saying first off, first and foremost, I was shocked by the way Minnesota was able to pass the football to Nick. I thought this was gonna be a grinded out kind of game that you know Minnesota was gonna win on a last second field goal, and I was gonna walk in here and be like, okay, well Penn State's are frauds, but they're not as fraudulent as I thought they were. Quite the contrary. Um, I think Minnesota really showed possibly the weakness of Penn state, which is if you're able to get up over the top and you're able to keep your quarterback clean, then you can move the ball down the field against this team. Um, as Scott was saying, they, they took their foot off the gas and that was really what allowed Penn state back in the game. Uh, they stopped taking the deep shots. They stopped testing the sh- the, the shorter corners and, and that receiving core for Minnesota is for real. All three of those guys are talented. They are, you know, they're not just possession receivers. Uh, they have size, speed. Uh, this, this was a coming out party for all of them. Um, I really liked the, uh, what Minnesota was able to do. They, they essentially said we're at home. So we're just going to throw balls to the wall. We're going to go for it. And, and I really respected that. They didn't play nervous uh, and they didn't play into the hands of Penn state, which would, uh, which would have been trying to come out and, and uh, establish a run game off of the bat rather than try the corners, which for the most part, haven't really been tested all year for Penn state. They kind of played how they have all season. Um, Sean Clifford had an un had had an unlikely game for himself, but it, the tale of two halves and the, and the lack of consistency in their offense kind of reared its ugly head. Finally, um, you know the the offense hasn't yet to really put together a full piece of work, including this game. And they've been asking the defense to do way too much, and uh, for for once, the defense you know finally got you know caught. A couple of times in the wrong formations and got and and the receivers for Minnesota obviously made some great plays to go on top of that. So you have to give them kudos for that. But Penn State, when you play this way, you're 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 asking to get beat by a team that doesn't care who you are and has the ability to actually pass the football, which is something that they haven't seen really all year. Uh, the only team that honest, I can honestly say on their schedule has a passing, attack that's even comparable to what Minnesota showed on Saturday was Michigan. And Michigan put up 21 points, but we all know that, you know, Penn State jumped out to an early lead on that one and Michigan tried to come back late. Um, as far as Minnesota is concerned, they have the Wisconsin game at the end of the season at home. So I think that has to be something that we have to look forward to. Yes, they have Iowa on the road, but if they get past Iowa this week, I mean, all, all things point to the Big Ten championship game. I believe that they're in. Are they in if they beat Iowa this week?
0: Uh, I I'm, believe not, I'm not 100% so. Yeah, sure. it's in Iowa City. Yeah, yeah.
2: <clears throat> yeah. And, if they, and if they beat Iowa this week, they would have to lose to Northwestern and Wisconsin to not be in the Big Ten Championship game. So uh, Minnesota, P.J. Fleck, he's got it going. This is the first time that they've been undefeated this long since, what, 1941, so congratulations. Um, but, yeah.
0: Xavier is row rowing the boat. <laughs> All yeah,
2: right. <laughs> I can't even swim, so let's go. <laughs> you, can't,
0: you, you can swim. You can't swim? <laughs> No, I can't swim. Oh, man.
2: Oh. As I've always said, if I was in Jaws, I would have died early. But, you
0: know. <laughs> well, it wouldn't have been the shark. Well, row <laughs> would, row, no, the I would boat,
1: row the boat very carefully, then,
0: Zabia. Yeah, don't yeah, rock yes. the boat. So that's what I would say. <laughs> what about uh, the biggest game of the century of the week? LSU beats Alabama 46-41. Joe Burrow wins the Heisman. I mean, we can pretty much... Uh, write it in stone at this point um, Clyde Edwards Alaire looked amazing and uh, Bama didn't look terrible they just couldn't keep pace and I think if this game was two or three minutes longer Bama might have won it because they were really uh, starting to hit their stride in the second half but too little too late Joe Burrow and the Tigers uh, beat the the Crimson Tide on the road Nick so Uh, Not not that surprising of an upset, but um, huge game here. Fun one, too.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it it was uh, like I said before, it totally lived up to expectations. And and, uh, it took a little while to get going because Alabama uh, just shot itself in the foot on the first two offensive drives of the game. I mean, they they went 63 yards and seven plays in the in the red zone, looked like they were going to get. Uh, you know, go up early, uh, at the very least, get three points on the board after they had driven all the way down, and and then the ball just falls out of to vailoas hand, and and LSU's able to recover, drive 92 yards just with a quickness. I mean, quick strike. Uh, From that point, it it was almost like it stunned Alabama. I mean, you know, to see their uh, Heisman uh, contending quarterback just sort of have a, a just a, a whatever <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to call it just sort of a bit of a fluky play um and, and then for LSU to just immediately uh take advantage of that capitalize on that um was was a bit of a stunner and and in Alabama uh it affected them the next series they lost uh again a, a fumble and uh LSU was able to put three points on the board so you know, very very quickly within uh, you know what is that the first ten minutes of the game they're down ten to nothing. Uh, really, you know, Alabama didn't uh, sort of get things going until the touchdown return from Jalen Waddle that that really sort of sparked things. And at that point, you know, it seemed like all right, finally let's 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 get going. And and uh, I think you're right if if this game had you know a fifth quarter so to speak there's a chance maybe Alabama would have enough time to, to pull it out, but they just, you know, those first two drives, especially that first drive uh, on both offense and defense when, when neither were, you know, were able to, to uh, get the job done, they just dug themselves uh, a hole that was too big to climb out of. And, and LSU has proven that it is an elite team and, and you can't, uh, make mistakes like that, or they're going to capitalize. And, and uh, at that point, it was you know it, it wasn't over, but the tone had been set. LSU had uh, jumped out to you know what proved to be sort of a uh, an insurmountable uh, lead, I, I guess you would say. I mean, the game was far from over, but you know at that point they had, they had given themselves a cushion that they would not relinquish. And and I think you're absolutely right that Joe Burrow is the Heisman. Winner. i mean you know maybe maybe if uh just something crazy were to happen lsu were to lose uh, a couple of games and burrow were to just sort of fall apart maybe one of the ohio state you know justin fields or or potentially jk dobbins could just explode in in the you know last few big games that they've got to leave maybe a, a best last impression but at this point just the the progress we've seen from the LSU offense and Joe Burrow's role in that I think he's the clear overwhelming uh favorite I mean you know obviously the betting markets he's a huge favorite but I just think uh that that just in general speaking overwhelming he's he's the huge favorite to win uh Clyde Edwards-Alaire I was probably most impressed with his performance of of anybody in this game, he was uh, just a, a weapon both as a runner and a receiver. Uh, he I saw something the the PFF guys said that he broke ten tackles, I believe. I mean, to make an Jeez. Alabama defense as as you know, uh, as talented as it is. and and certainly it's not perfect. They're playing some young guys, especially in the front seven. But you know, to make Alabama uh, miss ten tackles in in a single game, one player that's pretty incredible and and um, the just he he absolutely is taking control of that running back job I mean I think a lot of us thought that by this point in the season you know probably the the freshman would be uh, up there you know uh, John Emery I think his first name's John yeah. uh, was my was my bet to, oh yeah to, absolutely. To, to be the leading uh, ball carry by this point in the season. But, you know, he didn't even get in the game, I don't think. I mean, he, he certainly didn't touch the ball. So uh, for for Edwards DeLair to, to just, you know, put his foot down and say, this is my job, and for him to respond in a game like this and, and put up those sort of numbers and and just not even, you know, some of the things that that the numbers miss, just those missed tackles, little extra hidden yardages uh, picked up you know, key first downs by just getting one or two extra yards. Uh, It was huge. And and LSU was able to go into Tuscaloosa, put up 46, Uh, just very, very impressive. Um, Alabama, of course, is uh, a a very, very tough team. This in in no way, in my opinion, is the end of of the Alabama dynasty and, and, you know, whatever. But uh, I'm not sure it even – Knocks them out of the playoff conversation, obviously. Uh, so things will have to, to probably, you know, a lot of things would have to, to happen for Alabama, I think, to, to get in. But uh, this is still a very, very good team. I think they're going to win the rest of their regular season games, and depending on what else happens, we'll see. But uh, huge win for LSU, biggest win in a long time. Uh, and though I was, you know, had a, had a fairly large position on Alabama, was, was pretty... Uh, bullish on the tide in this game uh also was good to see lsu come out and and uh pick up a huge win on the road and and very impressed uh great win for the tigers
0: yeah i mean xavier this game like nick mentioned uh, a lot of fun a nice back and forth really with a you know, LSU going up and Bama trying to make a comeback. I don't know. Maybe if Bama had faced some adversity at all in their schedule, they would know how to react <laughs> when they got punched in the mouth. That's just me thinking out what loud here. What do you mean? Here.
2: They did.
0: Yeah. When the... they played
2: Duke, like the first two drives, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I
0: do remember about four minutes into that game, everyone was like, what is wrong with Bama? They don't have nine touchdowns yet, and they're playing Duke. What a, What a... You know what a tragedy we have going on here, but uh, <laughs> uh look I, I'm I'm not trying to knock Alabama they're obviously a great team I still think they're gonna make the playoff but uh, <sighs> I don't know I'm kind of yeah. not surprised by uh, LSU winning this game uh, outright.
2: no, I mean that morning I had a friend called me and I said uh, I told him LSU by fifteen and he he looked at me like I was on drugs. Um,
0: well, they didn't win by rec- 15, so they didn't,
2: they didn't. So I <laughs> How guess, were the right. Dogs? I mean, they, I mean, an 85 yard touchdown with a minute to go is garbage time in my personal opinion. But, um, I think that this shows a lot t- that Al- the LSU was able to go into Tuscaloosa and win this game. Um, obviously if they were to win in a Baton Rouge, a win's a win regardless, but to go into Tuscaloosa and walk out with a W and the way that they did it, um, was impressive. Uh, you put up 33 points and a half on a defense that up until this point probably have been giving up 33 points to anybody all season. And on top of that, it's the way in which they did it. They, for some parts of that game, I felt like Alabama was panicking. Um, I felt like they panicked uh, right before halftime with the two interception. Uh, I felt like they panicked in the second half. Uh, with some of their play calling. And I I, I honestly think if Jerry Judy maybe, you know, doesn't cough up a couple of touchdown catches that he clearly had, this game might have been different. But for once, it felt like Alabama felt that they didn't have enough firepower. Um, Kudos to them sticking with the running game. And Najee Harris, you know, obviously making himself one of, you know, he was a five-star coming in, but he had an amazing performance. Um, and, And I've never seen a team put up that many points pretty much going to the running game uh, to start the half. And and that's just, you know, impressive in its own right. But LSU did enough. They continued to keep them at bay. Um, when the offense needed to the score, they went and got one. You know, they, they put up only 33 – they put up only 13 points in the second half, excuse me, but they got touchdowns when they needed to. When they needed the answer, Joe Burrow, take them down the field, put it in the end zone. Um, Edwards Alaire, man, he is ridiculous. For him to be that, you know, stature-wise, you know, they, they compared him to Darren Sproles like 30 times throughout yeah. the game.
1: <laughs> but, uh,
2: but, I mean, that kid was running like his head was on fire. It was, it was impressive to see him essentially just say, you're, I don't care who Alabama is, and I'm going to run through all of your arm tackles while you're panicking trying to strip me at the five-yard line. I'm going to just saunter here into the end zone. Uh, watch me do it. But LSU has to be right now, you know, I think I came on last week and said Ohio State looks like the most complete team in the country. Obviously, I think two weeks ago I said I don't care what LSU does until the Alabama game. They'll take me a lot from that. LSU right now is the most complete. Is, is for, for my money, one of the best teams in the country. I can't call them the most complete yet because that defense still scares me a little bit, um, and I'm waiting for that offense to have a bad game versus a team that can actually put up points. They had an up-and-down game against Auburn. But against a, a, an LSU Part 2 or Georgia in the SEC Championship game, I'm, I'm waiting to see them against uh, a team that actually has a defense that can hold that offense down for maybe a quarter or so and see what that defense does. Uh, but kudos to Ed Orgeron. Um, I love what he said in the locker room. I won't say it on this podcast because it's not safe for work. Uh, but
0: um, he, uh, he said, I'm uh, all, I'm all, I'm <laughs> all, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: All. The, the, the memes were amazing. Tactics. They were immaculate. Uh, but, yeah, uh, kudos to the Tigers on this one. And they finally get off the schneid have, when they were
0: supposed to. Have you guys go, ever – Go Tigers. Yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. No, that's actually not that bad. Um, <laughs> Have you guys ever watched the um, uh, the translation, like the live captions while Coach O is doing a post-game no. conference? and I want to. Oh god! Just look it up on YouTube. It's the best thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Awesome. It is hilarious. I'm trying to translate what Coach O is saying in the middle, like he just like it sounds like a different language. Like you know, you get that country accent sometimes. Like I I remember they were talking about Lamar Jackson when he first. Uh, started running plays with the Ravens in practice. They had to be like, "Dude, you got to pronounce this stuff clearly so people understand you." Like you have that country accent, and then it doesn't matter what you tell Coach O; you just can't understand. Probably fifty percent. Like we get the gist. <laughs> I, I think that that's that's what the the thing is. But uh, I I love listening to him talk. It's so hilarious. It's like a real life foghorn, leghorn. So. Oh, it's
1: it's working with uh, players and recruits. So that's right. Apparently. Oh, did you see
2: that video of the yeah. the LSU players <laughs> going over to their recruiting section after the game was over? I was like, wow, these guys are feeling ballsy right now. But I don't blame, them. I don't
0: blame them. <laughs> uh, Let's go into Week Twelve here. We got another uh, week of good matchups. I mean, we're all looking forward to Week Eleven and the amazing matchups that it had. But there are some really, really good ones here in Week Twelve and. We're going to start out with Navy uh, going on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's favored by seven and a half points here. Ian Book coming off of one of his best games ever. But I know Notre Dame fans call this the most stressful three hours of the season here, Nick. So, (laughs) I mean, Navy's ranked. Malcolm Perry's up for the Davy O'Brien Award. So can Navy pull this game off?
1: You know, it's uh, my my first instinct is to say no i mean navy's only beaten notre dame once in like the last what three decades or something uh but it it, you know wasn't that long ago Uh, i think what two or three years ago they they uh beat notre dame so uh it's it's certainly possible but uh i I, my first instinct is to say that notre dame is just far and away a uh, more talented team I, i think that uh it's very, very unlikely that Navy's able to pull the upset. That said, you know, Navy is is capable of giving any team fits, and, and they do give Notre Dame fits. So they've covered at least four of the last five, including last year when Navy was just uh, pretty horrific, uh, especially on defense. And, and so that's that's really been the biggest uh, reason why Navy has been able to turn itself around. They do have a new uh, defensive coordinator Brian Newberry, who uh, today they just released the, uh, I guess, semifinalists or something for, for the uh, names of the Broyles uh, award for uh, top assistant coach in, in the country. There were about 30 names, something like that. And, and he was one of them, and, and he certainly should be given strong consideration because uh, last year, Navy allowed six and a half yards per play, which ranked 120th in the country. They allowed over 420 yards per game, which, you know, uh, it's still ranked 87th, but that was uh, limited somewhat. It, it could have been much, much worse if maybe it had not uh, run the style of offense it does and very uh, sort of methodical, long drives, eats up clock. So uh, th- things could have been even worse. They were, they were one of the leakiest defenses in the country last year, and, and now they are legitimately uh, a, a top 20 unit. I mean, they, they've only allowed 310 total yards per game. That ranks 17th in the country. They now only allow 4.88 yards per play, which ranks 21st. So this is a, a complete turnaround and i i think is the the biggest reason why navy is sitting in the position where they are but uh the sort of if that's reason number one reason 1a is is navy said all right malcolm perry you're our quarterback and just go out there and and run this offense and and last year they tried to move him around a little bit tried to to put zach abe at quarterback and perry at, at in the slot which was understandable because you want to get two of your best players uh, on the field at the same time. But Malcolm Perry is, is, is a game changer. I mean, he's uh, looks like number five in the country in rushing offense. He, he's averaged over 120, uh, or excuse me, 130 yards per game. He's run for 16 touchdowns, both of which are number, you know, best by far among quarterbacks in the country. So, uh, you know, he, he's, he, the, the, the Navy offense runs through him, and, and Navy, uh, for his senior season, said, you will be uh, the, the primary uh, person. You're, you're going to be the guy for us. And, and they've leaned on him, and, and it's worked out very, very well. So, uh, you know, Notre Dame does play Navy every year. They're familiar with the triple option. They have their own uh, very good defensive coordinator they are a solid defense. I mean they rank uh, 16th in the country in yards allow, uh, yards allowed per play. They rank 20th in the country in net yards per play. So the offense has uh, been productive as well. I think we've talked several times now about Ian book. Uh, as a passer it seems that he struggles against quality defenses. Uh, Navy, though they've played very, very good defense. I mean, this is a team that ranks 99th in roster strength. So, to call it actually a, a quality defense, I, I struggle to do that just on a, a player by player basis. I mean, you know, Cole Komet, uh, Chase Claypool, th- these guys are going to have huge advantages over the receivers they're going up against. So, I would expect that this might be one of those games where is able to, to sort of rise up to maybe not the level we showed against New Mexico or Bowling Green, but you know maybe something a little bit better than we've seen in, in some of those other uh, uh, performances against more quality opponents. And and last week against Duke, I mean, he didn't have to do very much through the air because he was uh, just picking up big chunks of yardage on the ground and, and had over 100 yards rushing. So that was uh, good to see for a, a team that had struggled to run the football a lot, uh, earlier in the year. But, uh, I, I know I've talked around it, you know, but I've, I've mm-hmm. sort of, sort of round about all, all, you know, try to give everybody their compliments and, and everything. And, and this is a really difficult game to pick because our numbers have, uh, Notre Dame is a, as a pretty big favorite is, is almost a, uh, two touchdown favorite. We've got the final score projected at, uh, 28 to 13, but you know, looking sort of uh, again, you know, outside factors. Uh, I, I don't know that that weather necessarily, other than cold, is going to be an issue. But uh, but just the fact that Navy has a way of sticking with Notre Dame. They have a way of of uh, they game plan things really against any opponent very very well. Uh, like to dictate the tempo of the game and and against a. Uh, team with a huge talent advantage like notre dame has their 11th in roster strength by the way so that's an 88 team gap uh you know they they have a way of um cutting that roster advantage in the style of play that that they operate in and so that makes me think that this game certainly could be closer i think notre dame will win i think it'll be fairly low scoring uh but i think that that Uh, The receivers that Notre Dame has are are perhaps just going to be a little too much to handle. I think Notre Dame wins. Uh, We're projecting them to cover, but personally, I'm not so sure.
0: Xavier, I mean, uh, like I said, one of the most frustrating games for uh, Notre Dame the whole year. And I was reading a beat writer for The Athletic, and he was talking about how uh, he wishes that they would install more stuff to face the uh, the triple option. Earlier in the year, so these guys mm-hmm. can get ready for it, and that's part of the reason why this game is frustrating because it's hard to stop when you're, uh, you know, right. when you're flipping towards a, a team with the triple option. So, how do you see this one going? Well, before I go,
2: if Navy wins this game, do you guys think that the, it's a possibility that they go to a New Year Six? Yes.
0: Yeah, okay. I, w- I would say you probably have to say that's on the table, right?
2: Yeah, I I just wanted to run it by you guys. Because uh, I think Navy's going to win this ball game. Um, I Notre Dame for me has looked really good at home at times, but they've also looked up and down. This team has been very inconsistent, pretty much all year. Um, and against a Navy team, the one thing that worries me heavily with Notre Dame is that can Ian Book do the uh, do enough with the limited amount of snaps he's going to get? When you play a team like Navy or you play a team like Army, um, you're really limited to maybe, you know, five or six, maybe seven possessions if you're lucky uh, throughout the ballgame. And you know that coming into the game. Everybody knows that in the stadium. You know, the players know that. The coaches know that. And, you know, let's say Navy goes up 14 nothing after When that happens, you begin to rush. I mean, Ian Book um, at times this year has not looked good enough uh, for me to be to, – to, to have him – uh, in this game and be confident with him, you know, taking care of those possessions, um, even in his best game. Let's let's look at last week, for instance, last week against Duke. He has four touchdowns. That's great. He also had two interceptions. He has not done well enough with taking care of the ball. Uh, that that shows me that if he plays Navy this week, and turns it over once or twice. That could be the ball game. Uh, Navy is one of those teams that you give them the ball. They're going to take a six to eight minute drive, score a touchdown and you may, you know, you might only have three minutes left in the in the quarter to really put up points, um, and that make, makes me very nervous to pick Notre Dame in this game. They have looked good at home, though. Uh, but Navy is going to eat clock. They're going to make sure that they limit uh, Notre Dame's possessions, and if Notre Dame can't be explosive, which they've had trouble at doing at times this year, especially from Ian Book, um, they're going to struggle. Uh, so that's why I've got Navy winning this game. I think it's going to be re- it's going to be tight because Navy is not a team that normally blows out uh, teams that are equal or better caliber of them. I think the spinal score is going to be somewhere in the range of uh, 24-17, uh, 28-21, right around there. Uh,
0: I've, I've got Notre Dame in this game. They are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. The uh, over is 54, uh, but I, I do—I think I like Navy against the spread, but I, I like Notre Dame to win straight out because I just think—I know Navy you know gives them fits, so— uh, it could be one of those things where Notre Dame pulls away at, at the end of the game, but I think it's going to be uh, hotly contested down the stretch there. Now, the next one is probably the best trophy in all of college <laughs> football. If you guys don't know, it's the Floyd of Rosedale. Uh, it's a 98 pound sculpture of a pig is this trophy between Iowa and Minnesota. It looks like the overall record is, what, what do you guys think it is? They played uh, 94, or uh, excuse me, 84 times. What do you guys think the record is on this one?
2: Hmm. Six, 60 to 24. And whose I think favorite? it's probably pretty. In who...
0: Iowa or Minnesota?
2: Iowa.
1: Hmm. I, I, I First of all, I, I would guess it's a little closer, but I think Minnesota probably has the lead. The, Iowa was pretty bad for a couple of decades and, and Minnesota true. was really good for a few decades before that. So I think Minnesota has got an edge, but, uh, maybe not a
0: huge one. 42, 40 and two Minnesota. Wow. Ah. Right down the middle here. So, uh, this one is going to be an exciting game, a lot on the line here for both these teams. Of course, Minnesota coming in at nine and zero. Iowa, a tough, Six and three team. They're four and one at home. They are the favorites in this game by three points and 44 and is the over. So, Nick, can Iowa slow down this Minnesota offense that's been performing well over the last few weeks?
1: I think they can. And and uh, you mentioned before, we, we talked on uh, the ITL show on Saturday night. We, we did a look ahead line based on what the numbers uh were and at that point i had iowa favored by i think a point and a half two points something like that and factoring in the the statistics from uh saturday's game that's dropped down to uh less than a point but it's still iowa is is favored according to our numbers our our final score projection is iowa 21 and, and minnesota 20 so that actually shows uh you know that that to me shows that Iowa would uh, control the the pace of play here, um, which uh, you would you would expect if, if this game's going to play out that way, it's going to have to be Iowa trying to to make it an ugly game, sort of do the the things we were talking about, maybe a little bit with Navy, sort of eat eat uh, you know uh, large chunks of the clock, try to, uh, do long drives, pretty slow pace, uh, because, you know, Minnesota has proven to be an explosive offense. Uh, Tanner Morgan, I, I, I was scrolling a little bit through the FBS leaderboards earlier today, and, and I was pretty, pretty shocked. How, how many, uh, how many quarterbacks do you think have a higher passer rating
2: than Tanner Morgan?
0: No, I don't know. I figured he would be middle of the pack to like 50-ish. I'm
2: going to go with zero just because I feel like this is a, <laughs> it's
0: it's, a trick It's definitely a trick question.
1: Uh, it's not totally a trick question, but uh, three. Three quarterbacks. Wow. And <laughs> they are Jalen Hurts, of course. Tua Tagovailoa, and Joe Burrow. Have huh. have a higher uh, passer rating than, than Tanner Morgan, and... Uh, actually Tanner Morgan, who has has averaged 10.9 yards per play, uh, only two quarterbacks have done better this year. And that's uh, Tua and uh, Jalen Hurts. So he has he's averaged more yards per play through the air than uh, Joe Burrow, the overwhelming Heisman favorite. And that, that was a bit of a shock to me. I mean, I knew he had had some good games. I knew he'd Earned a, a you know big chunk of production points in our uh, player rating system just based on some three hundred yard games and and uh, this wasn't the first time that he's put up like an eighteen of twenty tight passing performance. So uh, Tanner Morgan, who let's not forget, was not expected to be the starting quarterback. Zach said yeah. started last year before he got injured. Uh, it seemed, you know, that they would compete, but seemed like there was a pretty good chance that Anik Stead was uh, going to be the starter had he not got hurt again in fall camp. So uh, at this point, Tanner Morgan's proven, at least on paper, you know, on, on, as far as some of these key statistics that, that uh, I look for, to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And that's incredibly impressive. That's going to be a big test for Iowa, who has... Uh, been banged up in the secondary a lot this year and they do have one of the top most talented pass rushers in the in the nation AJ Epenesa and he's come on a little bit uh, in recent weeks but uh, he's been relatively quiet much quieter than i expected been overshadowed perhaps by somebody like Chase Young at, at uh, Ohio State but um you know i was going to have their hands full with this Minnesota offense obviously we've been uh, talking about their passing game, the running uh, running back rotation is, is deep and talented. Um, they, they're three deep there with guys that, that they feel good about uh, running the football. The offensive line has been solid uh, this year. So Minnesota is capable of uh, beating Iowa. I mean, they, they have um, uh, a top 35 roster, they rank 34th in, in roster strength, which is about 15 spots ahead of Iowa. They have been a top 15 team as far as team performance. So they're they're worthy of, of uh, this ranking that they've gotten uh, from, from the playoff committee. They've been a top 30 offense, top 25 defense as far as yards per play. So in the net, they're a top 20 team. So this is a very solid team. We've talked a lot about them already. I think they do have a slight talent advantage. Obviously, Iowa has the home field advantage, which is key. It is always a a tough place to play there at Kinnick Stadium. So uh, it'll be a close matchup. I could see it going in a a variety of ways, either, uh, uh, you know, the most likely for whatever reason to me seemed to be a close Iowa win or a Minnesota uh, maybe more comfortable win. I, I could see it playing out similarly to the Penn State. Uh, game if they're able to to connect on a, a few long pass plays um but uh as far as our numbers go yeah we, we have iowa as is the slightest of favorites uh so it would not shock me at all to see minnesota go down but you know this is a different minnesota team and, and not only from 2018 to 2019 but from the first you know three or four weeks uh of 2019 they have come on very very strong uh they proved it against a quality opponent uh you know some might say fraudulent but uh, i say <laughs> quality opponent uh and and you know this well, this is a good team wouldn't surprise me at all if minnesota wins this something like uh 28 13 something something in that range but uh, officially we're going to go with 21 20 iowa and uh that that very well could be
0: the way it plays out. All right. Xavier, what do you uh, – is Minnesota a bunch of frauds? Are they going to lose this game? Um,
2: Very well possible. Um, I see this game as a boomer bust game for Minnesota. Um, essentially, it's either going to end up, as Nick said, a huge victory for them, uh, somewhere in the range of two touchdowns, or I see Iowa winning this game by seven and it being a defensive struggle. Um, so I see this as a boomer Bust game for Minnesota. I think that they have the ability to win this game. Um, it's going to be on the road. This is their first big time road matchup of the year. Um, obviously, you know, they play Penn state at home. Well, it, it'll be good to see them play on the road. Uh, they could be a completely different ball. Club. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that Nick, ha- Nick's right, but I, I'm, I'm going to pick Minnesota here. Cause I don't think that they're fraudulent. I think I, I believe in PJ Fleck and I believe in this ball club.
0: Yeah. I think just the overwhelming momentum that Minnesota is carrying into this game and they're not going to let it stop. Like that's the thing. That's the thing about row the boat is you just keep working and working and working. As long as everything's going right, you, you know, you, you can prove it. And I think they're going to prove it again. And I think they're going to beat Iowa in this game, but this one like sitting down and logically thinking about it, you know, how these two teams match up. If Iowa can slow down the passing game, uh, I think they can turn this into a game that they like. So, uh, Absolutely, it's, you know, all three of us have, uh, kind of waffled on this game, but I think, I think, uh, we're all picking Minnesota too. So I mean, it's
1: a, it's a, it's a it's a, tough it's a weird one. one. And, and, and the same with Navy and Notre Dame. I mean, and, and perhaps, uh, it just happens to be that, that these two are, are like this, but I think in a lot of ways it sort of happens, at the end of the season a lot when some of those outside factors that that we talked about earlier in the game play a bigger role. I mean, you know, what's the wind going to be like, what's the weather going to be like in Iowa city? I mean that those things matter. Right. Uh, it, it, in some ways, it seems to me, the more I watch a team, uh, the more questions I have. And and while I do think like, okay, Minnesota has playmakers. That was uh, a little bit of a concern of mine coming into the year. I knew Tyler Johnson at, at wide receiver. He had an overwhelming number of targets last year and I knew they had running backs capable, but I, I you know, I, I hadn't yet seen them click offensively. Well, now I have, but do I trust my eyes? Like, are they really, you know, have they taken that big of a step? Uh, so I, I, for whatever reason, almost feel like I have more doubts about individual teams from week to week. Just because I, I I've seen it, but can I trust it? I don't know if that makes any sense. But yeah, this this game in particular, it, it's hard to get a handle on. So that's that's a lot of the reason why I always go back to the numbers and say, Well, <laughs> Iowa's favored.
0: Go I with that. I, well, I, question, right. but well, I, I feel mean, like you Iowa's wanna take the gophers play. though, right? You wanna I take do. the gophers. I, I think
1: yeah. I do. You're right. And and okay. you know, part of that is I know Iowa's been really banged up. Uh, their offensive line has gotten healthier, but it was, it was, you know, had a couple of key guys out for, for chunks of time in the early part of the year, the, uh, defensive backfield, same thing, getting healthier, but you know, guys, even if you, you are healthy enough to play as we saw, you know, uh, a big time guy to a healthy enough to play, but he wasn't a hundred percent. I think we all know that. I mean, he's, he's questionable to play. This week, and, and I think there's you know a decent shot that he uh, if he does play, he doesn't play very long just because they want to get him fully healthy. So you know these guys that Iowa's has had to uh, maybe rush back from injury quicker than or or the players try to rush back quicker than than uh, you know they're not quite a hundred percent yet. I think that's certainly a, a possibility. Those things linger. So I think Minnesota is healthier. I think they are deeper. They do have a talent advantage. But, you know, <laughs> Iowa City is a tough place to play. All right. they, they do a good job of, of uh, play, making you play the type of game they're going to play. So I do yeah, go back exactly. and forth a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, that it, yeah. it's a fun game, but we have two other games to cover here. Uh, what about Oklahoma <laughs> uh, Oklahoma on the road at Baylor here? I think I said Oklahoma at first, like a real Oklahoma. redneck. Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma on the road <laughs> against them Baylor Bears, and Oklahoma is a 10-point <laughs> favorite here. 67.5 is the over. Uh, I mean, this one, oh, God, I don't know what to do here I, because we <laughs> talked about luck running out for Baylor. But Oklahoma's defense has played terribly the last couple weeks. So, Nick, how do we see this one going? So
1: this one, have Oklahoma a, is a pretty heavy favorite. And, and it's basically in line with what the oddsmakers have. Uh, our, our official numbers have Oklahoma as a nine-point favorite. It's it's about nine and a half. I mean, it's, it's right on that line. And I see that the, the line has moved up to 10, according to what we've got here. When we locked it in, uh, for our patrons, um, yesterday afternoon, I believe it was still at nine and a half. So that's officially uh, what we're... No, no, it was 10. So uh, our our official numbers have Oklahoma as uh, basically a nine and a quarter point favorite. So uh, we do have the, the projected final score with the Sooners, 37 and, and Baylor, 28. Uh, I, I think that seems about right. I mean, I, I do... I've been very impressed with Baylor this year. Um, they've been arguably the best uh, defense in the Big 12. Um, TCU has them in a couple of statistical categories, but I think it's it's fair to say that Baylor's basically uh, are pretty much just as good, if not better, from a, a talent standpoint and in a lot of the ways that they've played. So uh, do I think that they're capable of slowing Oklahoma down, though? Not so sure. I mean, uh, my number's still... Love Oklahoma. I mean, I think they finally finally fallen to to fifth in our uh, overall uh, team strength ratings, but uh, a lot of that was a, a big boost that LSU got uh, for for winning against Alabama. So they're you know they're they're the most explosive offense in the country. They are practically unstoppable. Even in the loss against Kansas State, they were unstoppable. It's just whether or not uh, the defense is going to show up. And, and the last couple of weeks, it hasn't. And that's that's a concern if, if you're Oklahoma, if you're hoping to get back into the uh, Big 12 title race. You really need to put together a, a pretty impressive performance here. Uh, Baylor definitely has scuffled the last couple of weeks on offense. So there's an opportunity there. If, if that continues, Oklahoma has the ability to uh, put up a big number. I I, I honestly feel uh, <laughs> similar to the last game. The numbers have Baylor covering, but I, I almost see this as a game that Oklahoma comes out and makes a statement. Now I know they did lose a couple of guys again uh, to injury, kenneth man defensive lineman's out for the year uh they've been playing without their their most talented tight end for weeks uh trey sermon the the uh who i think's their best running back i know kennedy brooks has yeah. gotten more run in recent weeks but uh he's out now for the year so uh oklahoma's is banged up but for whatever reason i i i think uh this is an opportunity for them to go out, make a big statement. They need one if they're going to get back in the, the conversation. Uh, so 37-28 doesn't seem too off, but but for whatever reason, that seems like maybe a, a few too many points for Baylor. I think it could be a little closer to like 42-21, something in that range. That, that would not surprise me one bit. Uh, but Baylor's been a, a bit of an overachiever all year. I'm a huge fan of Matt Rule, as we all know. Um. And, and so <laughs> yes. <laughs> again, on the other on the other side of things, it wouldn't shock me if this is another close one. But I think Oklahoma's got a clear uh, advantage, uh, specifically in talent, but uh, on offense, big time. Uh, so I think I think it's pretty safe to say the Sooners should win this game. And if they do, you know, it'll be their best win by far. Uh, <laughs> apologies to, to Texas, but this <laughs> you know beating a nine and and0 beating a nine and <laughs> team on the roads. Uh, <laughs> A, a pretty impressive win. Yeah. So I, I think, it, it, you know, they need it for
0: sure. Won't be as impressive when Texas beats Baylor. <laughs> right. uh, well, Xavier, how do you see this game playing out? Can uh, Baylor continue and go to 10 and zero, or is uh, no. Oklahoma going to wreck it? <laughs> it
2: it's, it's the, the, the Matt Ruler train is coming to a complete oh, stop man. this week. Um, and, and Nick, to your last point, beating a nine and zero team is normally impressive. Not when it's Baylor. Oh, this team is the Penn State was a fraud, but there were things that you could see, obviously, that could make them not a fraud in my eyes. For Baylor, I haven't seen anything yet that that shows me that they're capable of not only winning this game, but running the table. Um, For me, they feel I feel like this game is going to be a blowout. I don't know. Maybe Oklahoma was overlooking Iowa State last week to get to this game, and that's why the game ended up being so close towards the end. And obviously, Iowa State being a two-point conversion away from upsetting Oklahoma, but they're going to be ready for this game. They're they're up for it. It's a top-15 matchup, regardless of what I say. That's where Baylor ha- is. They're they're 12, um, and, and this, you know, for for me as a as a neutral. Honestly, I would love to see Baylor come out there and perform well because that means the the turnaround fixture possibly in the Big 12 championship game would possibly be fun. I just don't see that happening. I think Oklahoma's more talented. I think they're going to be more focused. And Baylor, the last two weeks, has looked like a team that's 5-4, and four, not 9-0. Oh. Uh, they, they played subpar against a West Virginia team that I think we'd all say have – are not anywhere near the caliber of Oklahoma, and then they struggled last week with a TCU team that, yes, has a, has a, a good win over Texas this year. But other than that, what do you point to 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 show that they could hold a Baylor offense to nine points of regulation? Yeah, I think Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I think Oklahoma wins this game by well on fifteen plus. Um, I think I think that this is going to be a, a barnstorm beatdown. Um, sorry, it's going to be at Baylor. So that's unfortunate for the fans to sit out in that cold, dry weather, uh, for, for this one. But I think Daylon Hurtson, and, you don't and, go on and, vacation Alvin,
0: to Waco. Come on.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I want dust in my face, per- uh, but no, um, I think that this game is, is going to be ugly. I think Oklahoma is going to flex its muscles. Um, it's going to have to, if they have any chance of getting back in the top four, as we see that they're 10 right now they have to flex their muscles heavy this week uh before obviously we see Baylor I mean, they probably see Baylor again for the Big 12 Championship again
0: i i think Baylor, i think the the home field advantage is something overlooked in this game because when when you go to play in waco what else are they doing in Waco? The whole city is going to shut down to go see the undefeated <laughs> bears host the Sooners. I mean, it just is. So it's not, you're not just playing against the team. It's like everybody in, in a hundred mile radius uh, wants you to lose. So I think there's a little bit uh, moving forward in Baylor's favor in this game. Uh, plus Oklahoma's defense has been playing bad, but if you're Baylor, it doesn't add up well on paper because you haven't been playing well on offense. And Oklahoma right. hasn't been playing well on defense. So I think I'm going to take Oklahoma, but I think this is definitely going under 67 and a half. I would hundred percent take the under. And I think I'd take Baylor against the spread. I think that 10 points is too much. I think maybe a touchdown is more appropriate, something like that. It could be more than that. And then Baylor backdoor covers. But uh, I think I would go with uh, the bears against the spread, but the sooner straight up in this game. Now, the one that you got, you guys are looking most forward to here. Georgia at Auburn. Georgia is a two and a half point favorite at Auburn, Nick 40 and a half is the over here. Another great sec battle trying to keep the bulldogs in playoff contention. Are they going to be able to do it against the tigers?
1: Well, so this, this is another one that that's just very close. Uh, Our numbers are, are really pretty close to what the odds makers have. Uh, This wasn't necessarily the, the uh, closest all of our numbers have been this week. We're about 3.3 points uh, away from, from what the odds maker ha- have. But um, uh, when when just looking through all the lines, but that's about as close as we've been. That's probably our second or third closest, uh, just comparing our, our projected point spread to uh, the odds maker. So not a whole lot of difference in, in many games, and this is another one. Uh, but we've got Georgia as a slight favorite, roughly Four points, a uh, little bit more than uh, three and a half. At, at this point, we've got a final score projected of Georgia 21 and Auburn 17. That seems, you know, that that seems like a, a fairly likely outcome in in my opinion. Um, Georgia has certainly uh, not been explosive on offense, and and you know that's been a big talking point in recent weeks, uh, particularly li- leading up to uh, the Florida game, but. You know, this still is a team that ranks in the top 20 in yards per play. Now, certainly some of that can be attributed to uh, some big uh, performances, top performances against non-conference foes in the the opening weeks of the year. But, you know, contrast that with Auburn, who ranks 68th. Uh, Georgia has has gained uh, over, you know, 0.8 yards per play more than Auburn uh, this year and and that's a significant margin. Uh has also been one of the best defenses in the country and and particularly the last few weeks. They picked up uh their third shutout of the season last week against Missouri, very impressive. Right now they rank 6th in the country in yards allowed per play uh at 4.3 and and that's you know not a huge advantage over Auburn, but it is uh an advantage. Auburn has allowed 4.75 points Per play, and, and that's 16th in the country. So, you know, similar defenses, but Georgia, believe it or not, you know, based on what we've been hearing for the last few weeks, actually does have an edge on offense. And, and Auburn is probably going to be without um, its uh, leading rusher again, Jatarvius Whitlow. Uh, he he might be uh, able to play, but we really haven't seen much from him. The last few weeks. So uh, I think that that there's a good chance, even if he does play, he will be limited. And and that's, you know, that's cause for concern. Georgia has their own injury issues. They lost three offensive starters uh, over the course of of last game. Lawrence Cager went down uh, with a separated shoulder, three offensive linemen. Were helped off the field at different points. Now, fortunately, if you're a Georgia fan, it, it sounds like uh, none of those players will miss significant time. In fact, it, it sounds like uh, almost all of them, if not all of them, will, will be able to play this week. So, uh, but you know, again, as we've talked about, any injury it doesn't just heal overnight. So, so it's certainly something to to keep an eye on. And, and these are pretty evenly matched teams from a talent standpoint. Georgia does have an edge in roster strength, but that's, uh, because they are uh, a bit more experienced and, and our numbers do take experience into account. Georgia, uh, by our numbers is the fifth best roster in the country and Auburn is 20th. So that's not a huge gap, but it's, it's fairly significant. Most other areas they're, they're pretty similar. I mean, two similarly rated coaches, we've got the number 11 and number 12, uh, rated coaches according to our numbers. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of factors are are pretty similar. We do see Georgia with a slight edge on offense, with a slight edge in talent, and, and that's a big reason why we have them favored here even uh, on the road. But Auburn is capable of, of beating anybody any given day, especially at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So uh, I expect a close game. I expect it to be fairly low scoring. 21-17 seems about right, but to be honest with you, it could be... Auburn winning twenty one seventeen. That would not be a shock at all. So I think it'll be a close game, a tough uh, game for for both teams, but uh, do give all Aub- or do give Georgia uh, a slight edge on this one. All
0: right, is it a slight edge for Georgia? Is it a huge edge for Georgia for Xavier?
2: Um, it's right in the middle. Um, uh, I can't go on the limb and say it's a huge edge because obviously Georgia's offense this year has looked um, inept at times. Um, and they, they've shown up in the big games uh, to an extent. But that defense is the reason why I have Georgia winning this game. Uh, that defense has been the best defense in the SEC. And they are, I believe, their top four in most statistical categories at this point. They have yet to give up a rushing touchdown. They had their third shutout last week. And you can say, yes, it's against Missouri. But at at this point, it it doesn't really matter. The the defense has played, has not given up 20 points to the opponent all year. Um, The 20 points that they did give, uh, that we did give up total against South Carolina, uh, seven of that was a pick six. So the defense has played impeccably great. Um, And and we're going down to a team in Auburn who I was there to watch them play Ole Miss. And let's just, I'm going to be quite frank. That offense looks lost. Uh, Bo Nix doesn't look like. Uh, the guy that everybody called him after the Oregon game, uh, they they without the ability to run the football, they can't rely on him to win them this ball game. Which is why I, why I have Georgia winning uh, twenty four to ten. I think that you're going to see just a, an an inability for Auburn to move the football. I, I don't think that Georgia's al uh, Georgia's offense is going to be ex- overly explosive or anything like that. But I just think Auburn's uh, offense is just not good enough to get it done. And I think Georgia's defense is is going to eat off of that and and cause some trouble for uh, Bo Nix. And I don't know. Uh, Last (laughs) year's that. It's one of those weird games because, as Nick said, it it could really go the other way because Georgia's defense just hasn't been great. Uh, Georgia's offense has not been good enough um, at times this year. And if if a slow start happens, and Jordan Harris, you never know what could happen. I mean, obviously crazy things have happened there before. Um, but everything points to a defensive slugfest, uh, two amazing defenses and whose offense is just better on the day. I think Georgia's offense is more consistent. I think I can trust, I, I can trust Jake Fromm over Bo Nix at this point. And if Whitlow's not back for Auburn, they don't have a running game uh, against Ole Miss. I don't remember how many rushing yards it was for, uh, but they, they they could not move the ball when it mattered. And and they almost lost to an Ole Miss team that had no business being that close to them um, at Jordan Hare. I think the final score of that game was 20 to 17. So, uh, I got Georgia in this game, twenty-four
0: to ten. I've got Georgia in this game too, and it's because you know y- you have a nice debate between these quarterbacks, Nix and Fromm. But uh, Fromm started out bad; he looks better at the back end of the year, and it feels like Bo Nix is kind of hitting that rookie freshman wall. Yeah. Um, so I-, I think that I'm going to take. Uh, Georgia in this game but this I mean the most interesting matchup of the entire game has got to be the Georgia O line versus the Auburn D line that is going to be a lot of fun to watch there's so much talent on both those lines but I think I'm going to take Georgia in this one too I think I would take them by probably a touchdown so two and a half ain't going to get it done for me so uh, Georgia on the road uh, staying eight uh, going to nine and one in this game I think that's what happens, but that is. I would
2: like to point out. Oh, go ahead. uh, I would like to point out (laughs) if it does come down to special teams. I can't. You got to go with Georgia at this point. Uh, The Carlson brother, I can't remember his first name, so I just call him the Carlson. And Anders, I think. Okay, Anders Carlson has struggled a lot this year, and and, and not necessarily from long distances. You missed two against Ole Miss. Maybe yeah, he missed two against Ole Miss or three, if I'm not mistaken. Um and they were and some of them were chip shots. Um, Did Rodrigo
0: missed an extra point or something the other day though? He's
2: yeah he missed an extra point. He missed a field goal against Missouri. I don't I don't remember if he missed an extra point, but he definitely missed a field goal. I think he's missed two this year. Totally. And he missed one against South Carolina. Yeah, so. But I, I have to say, right now, if I if I, if it comes down to a special teams battle, who do I pick to kick the mo- to make the most amount of field goals? I would give the edge to Georgia in that route, and that might be where it comes because both defenses don't look like they're going to be giving up a lot of touchdowns come Saturday.
0: As long as it's not a Bears kicker, that's all that matters. So <laughs> the Bears have the worst kickers, but that is I going. I don't get that reference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't remember the double doink? I mean, I know you don't watch a, a bunch of NFL football, but you had to have heard the double doink. So, but uh, that's... That is going to wrap it up for week 12 for us. I mean, it's getting down. Uh, we're uh, we're coming up Don't on, you know, we're going to have um, the championship week is, I believe, week 15 for all those uh, conference title games. That's going to be a fun one. And then it's going to be about uh, award season and bowl games. So we're coming down to the end here. It's getting to be a lot of fun. Nick, tell everybody about the CFB Winning Edge Patreon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I touched on it a little bit earlier with uh, our weather and travel database for our tier three patrons, and and that's you know that that's for your serious serious uh, <laughs> college football folks that, that really want to dig into numbers and and uh, just sort of you know situations and all of that. It's it's basically built to be an off season tool, and and as you mentioned. Uh, Scott, we're, we're getting pretty close to the off-season. So I think that that tool is going to be uh, pretty helpful coming up if, if you're interested in, in those sort of things. And also, Tier 3 gives uh, all of our patrons access to uh, download and save a copy of our uh, team profiles. So anything that's in Tier 1 or Tier 2, not only do you get to view it if you're a Tier 3 patron, but you can actually – uh, download it and save a copy for your own use you can then you know move things around and so we've gone in and, and made over 11,000 player edits and given ratings and roster uh information and, and all sorts of stuff so uh if you're interested in in you know having access getting your hands on all of those things uh consider tier three if, if you're really serious about it we try to 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 you know, we, we talk about games and, and that's fun, and, and picking games is fun, but uh, really, what I think CFB Winning Edge sort of the, the most value that we provide is uh, with data. And, and we do it a little bit differently than a lot of things that are uh, out there. So uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, do consider tier three. Uh, If you want something a little bit, uh, you know, more, more surface level, we of course would, would love to have you at any level at patreon.com slash CFB winning edge.
0: All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us. Remember you can follow us on the Twitter at Bogman sports for me at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E for him and at CFB winning edge for Nick and good luck in all your bets. And we will see you guys back here for week 13. Take it easy, everybody.